Well, it's a great joy to be with you all this morning. I am Father Brian Becker. Uh, I come to you from St. Joseph's Seminary, uh, and I am uh, here this morning ably assisted uh, by several of our seminarians who have uh, come out to spend uh, this Sunday morning, this Sunday Mass, here uh, with this parish community. Uh, this parish, I know, is, is uh, no stranger to St. Joseph College Seminary. Uh, you guys have uh, Mr. Luke Martin here on loan to you for your pastoral year, uh, and I've heard, I've heard great things about his uh, service to the parish so far. Uh, and uh, you also have given uh, many of your sons uh, to the seminary for discernment of the priesthood. Uh, Deacon Matthew Harrison, about to be ordained uh, this coming summer. I know he's been in your prayers. Uh, his younger brother, John. And then also, uh, my particular charge, uh, we have uh, Michael Herman up here with us as well, uh, with, with his brothers. Uh, my role at the seminary, I've been uh, assigned by the bishop starting this summer uh, to be in charge of Mr. Herman and uh, several of his brothers, the first-year men at the seminary. Uh, so just this year, Rome has instituted a new component uh, to our program for priestly formation, where the men in their first year are given a bit of a, a different program, where they focus on their spiritual life and their growth in the human virtues as a stable platform for then applying themselves to the studies of philosophy and theology in formation for the priesthood. And as part of that, it's recommended that a particular priest be appointed for their supervision. And as I am learning, uh, these seven men that we have now indeed need as much supervision as we can give them. Uh, in, serious, though, in seriousness, though, uh, uh, Michael has been having a great year, so have uh, so many of our guys, and it's, it's, uh, it's been a joy to serve them in the seminary context, and so I ask you, please keep your prayers up uh, for their perseverance, and that our Lord will raise up many more good vocations uh, from this parish and from the diocese. Uh, so in addition to this work uh, that I do at the seminary, I've also been asked by Bishop uh, to be our promoter of vocations for the diocese. And so I have the privilege of being able to speak with our young men and women uh, who are discerning a vocation uh, to the priesthood uh, and to consecrated religious life. And so as such, I deal quite a bit with talking uh, about the nature of God's call. And when I get to come to parishes to speak about this, it's actually rare that I get set up so beautifully uh, by a gospel such as this one, where we get to meditate on our Lord's action in calling his first disciples. And the gospel that we're given this morning, it's not just Christ calling his disciples, but he's actually calling four of his apostles, four of those who will go on to number among the 12 that he drew to himself. And so what I want to walk through this morning is the account that the scripture gives us of how it is that the call of our Lord operated in the lives of these 12 and what lessons that we can draw from this for our young men and women who are experiencing, wrestling with, praying about a call that our Lord may give to follow him in priesthood or religious life. So the first thing that I want to point out, when we speak about a call that comes from God, we tend to do it in a way that focuses on this type of gospel passage, where our Lord is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees uh, these two pairs of men. He calls, and they leave their nets and everything and follow him. And so we tend to think of these episodes as once-for-all decisions. 
And there is some measure of truth to that. However, as we keep walking through the Gospels, we notice that this is not the only time that our Lord presents a call to these men. But rather, after this, several more times, our Lord calls them deeper and to different missions that he assigns to them in closeness to himself and in service to the church. So what are those? Well, we know after this call, a few chapters later in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus went up by the mountain, and he called to himself those whom he desired. And he called them to himself to be with them, to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. And he called to himself twelve, those who would become the apostles, the beginning of the Episcopal ministry in the church. When else did Christ call them? In the Last Supper, it was these same twelve who were seated with him at table. And it was at that time when Christ instituted the Blessed Eucharist, that sacrament of sacraments, that he also ordained each of these men. He gave to them the priestly calling. By those words that our Lord uttered that the priest says in every celebration of the Holy Mass, do this in memory of me. By that he commanded these twelve to make present that sacrifice that he was to offer once on Calvary, present for all time in the church at every celebration of Holy Mass. He called them again after his resurrection, when he had appeared to them over 40 days, right before he was taken up into heavenly glory. He gave to them what we call the Great Commission, that they were to go forth and preach to all nations. Christ said, Christ commanded them to speak uh, to, to preach to them, commanding them to obey all that I have made known to you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And after he was taken up from them, our Lord is not done with his call. Because at the end of the lives of each of these men, his call to them was then to be faithful to him, to the very end of their lives. We know that John, St. John, rounded out his days in the Isle of Patmos, writing for us the book of Revelation, that close of Holy Scripture, and that for the ten others who were faithful, that their lives ended by martyrdom. So looking at their calls from this angle, what is it that we take from this lesson from Holy Scripture? Well, think about what each of these calls would have been like in the experience of each man who sought to say yes to each of these invitations. In this first instance, we know that they responded immediately and wholeheartedly. They left their nets and they followed him. But they followed him to do what? They did not know yet. And even when they said yes to those individual things that Christ asked them to do, there was always that measure of uncertainty about what this would be like. I would wager that this was especially true when they set out to fulfill Christ's command after he had been taken up from them and after they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. When the apostles went out to preach, to baptize, and to celebrate Holy Mass, that level of uncertainty, it must have stayed with them. Questions in their hearts like, when I preach, 
Is it going to work? Is anybody going to respond to this message? Will the Holy Spirit be proved true to move the hearts of men? When I baptize, is it eternal life that is given to these souls? When I celebrate Mass, perhaps that same question that many priests often deal with, when I say these words, is my faith going to be proved true that this bread and this wine change into the body and blood of my Savior? These are the questions. These are some of the very same questions that a young man will wrestle with on his way in formation for the priesthood. All of these uncertainties, all of these doubts are common to someone who will experience a call from God to priesthood, to religious life, to any of these supernatural vocations that our Lord gives. Now, taking these lessons from the example of Holy Scripture, we also take the consolation that it gives us. Because what happened in the life of each of these men? That each time that they set out in faith to do what Christ had commanded them, what did they find? Our Lord was true to his word. He was present, as he had promised, in his sacraments. His Holy Spirit was with them to make their words effective, relying not on their natural strength, their natural ability to preach beautifully, but on the power of the cross and the Holy Spirit of God. So it is in the life of our young men. When they say yes to this, one of the great beauties of advancing in priestly formation is the lesson that we learn over and over again. When despite these doubts and uncertainties, we make our yes and do our best to perform what our Lord has asked of us, we get that great surprise every time that our Lord is actually true to his word. And despite how many times we have learned this lesson, it always strikes us as a joy that our Lord actually does come through with what he has promised for us. What does this mean then for us at our various stages in the journey? Those of you who have uh, logged many years in the service of our Lord's kingdom, what do you know about the nature of this call? As I have outlined here, I'm sure you have had this experience that a yes to one call makes you ready for the yes to the next one. And as you work through your life, each of these successive responses draws you closer and nearer to the end that our Lord desires for you. That end which is given to us so beautifully in the lives of these ten who gave their lives as martyrs. The many of you young men here in the parish who have made our Quo Vadis retreat, you are doubtless familiar uh, with this uh, traditional story that I will tell about uh, what happened to St. Peter at the end of our lives, at the end of his life. Uh, this Quo Vadis retreat, as you know, this is uh, the week that we set aside for our young men to come to Belmont Abbey in the summer and to spend a week specially giving themselves over to that question of discernment. Lord, are you calling me to this? And also our young women who have made uh, our companion retreat, Duke and Alton, uh, which is the same opportunity for their discernment of a call to consecrated religious life uh, in the month of June. For our men who have made this retreat, Quo Vadis, they know this tale. That St. Peter, at the end of his life, he found himself in the city of Rome, and the persecution there was beginning to heat up. 
And so he did, as, as many of the disciples had done before, and he fled to the next town there to preach also. But as he was leaving the city of Rome, he saw a vision of our Lord, going past him in the opposite direction and carrying his cross. And so St. Peter asked him, he said, Quo vadis Domine? Where are you going, Lord? And Christ said to Peter, I am going back to be crucified again. And from this, St. Peter understood that he was to return to Rome, there to give his life in a consummation of the yes that he had said throughout his life to his Lord. Now, for a young man who is facing this decision, a young woman who is facing this wrestling with, ought I to say yes to this? Remember this lesson, that our Lord only calls us to that which is appropriate for where we are in our life of discipleship with him. He did not ask St. Peter to do this by the Sea of Galilee, but only after his life and his yes in service to our Lord. And so the same happens to us. When we are given a call, we are given the beginnings of a call and the grace to say yes to it. A courageous response to our Lord's invitation will always be met with the grace to carry it out and the further grace to go deeper in service to Christ.